If you answer no to any of those questions, then absolutely do not give up. Don't. That, that, is, that is a huge problem in society today. All right, it's finally here. Episode 100, as promised, we have multiple guests. We're actually supposed to have one more. We're supposed to have Christian. He wasn't feeling good, so he bowed out. So we have uh, the favorites of the podcast. Parker, always a favorite. People always request you. What's happening? Um, you're, you're our relationship guy. Okay. Supposedly. All right. Chad. Pastor Chad. Pastor Chad. Welcome back. Always a big request. Um, you're going to be our, uh, you're going to be our pastoral guy. Okay. God questions will go to you and do that. Burns. Oh man. What, what's going to get thrown at me? I'm so nervous. <laughs> you are, uh, you're the utility drawer. Utility drawer. You know, I'm everyone's the got some in the now, kitchen. Everyone can, okay. everyone can play uh, multiple hats in this game, but you're going to play our life guy. Okay. Yeah. Our career guy. Okay. Okay. I can do it. So what we do on this podcast, if, if for some reason you came to episode 100, it's the first time, maybe it is your very first time, um, we're going to answer questions as if we're sitting around a campfire and you're sitting around with some buddies and we're there and you say, hey, could I, could I, could I throw something at you guys? Something's been bothering me or something I'm excited about and I need some kind of resolution. So you ask us that. And so that's, that's what we're doing today. I've, I've picked these, these three gentlemen around me. These are, these are good men, good hearts. They're smart. And if I, and, and this does happen, if I'm going through something or I need some, some, somebody to reflect some wisdom back on me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the, these three guys. And so I feel very blessed to have these, these three guys and, and others in my life. And I want to be able to share that with you. So that's what this podcast is about. If you have one of these questions... Email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. I want to get to some some good stuff today. I have some good questions lined up, so I don't want to waste too much time talking. So I'm going to dive into the question. For the record, I don't know what I'm going to pick first, and I don't know a lot about these questions. Can I get something out of the way first? Go ahead. Go ahead, Judd. So I'm not only, you know, I get to be a guest here, but I'm also a fan of the podcast. I listen when I'm not on here, and... I'm a little like starstruck right now that I get to hang out with Bernie. Wow. So if you're, Dude, come on. if you are, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh, I would love to hang with that guy. Like I'm living your dream <laughs> right now. And so it's yeah. just, it's an honor to meet Bernie in person. The first time we've ever met. And yeah. it was just, we hugged. We, we did. Hugged. It was, we did. We it, embraced. It felt felt authentic and real. So yeah, yeah. I'm with you, a, same here, Jay. For me, same here. I, I, could, I know Bernie would say the same thing back to you. So because <laughs> he does call me, and he's like, "Man, that episode with Chad." Yeah. Now, Parker, you're in this too. Both these guys will say the same thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, they just know you a lot better. This is the first time they've ever met. Yeah, which I've just met now. you before. <laughs> I agree. It was a yep. big day. It was a big day. <laughs> I mean, you were kind of there. You were. You saw it. You witnessed. Yeah, it, yeah. It played out. I couldn't believe they hadn't met yet. He was yeah. playing piano in the background. Like he I was think very... I like you guys set it up. Yeah. Like, hey, Parker, get over there, play piano. There's He's a soundtrack. The yeah. I was, was trying to, to bring oh, emotion to the okay. moment. Very magical. The first question I want to I want to ask or I want to read is the. The septic line says, question for 100th episode. It says, failing my family. 
Granger, thank you for all you do on this podcast. It's the highlight of my Mondays. My name is Jared. I'm in my late 30s. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I have many blessings in my life, a wonderful wife, an amazing nine-year-old daughter, a roof over my head, the ability to earn a wage, but I cannot escape the feeling that I'm failing at life. And at worst, I'm failing my family. Brief backstory, summer of 2019, diagnosed with uh, a growth in my brain, and it was still throwing off several systems in my body, currently attempting to shrink it with medicine, but not reaching desired results. Spring of 2020, I lose my dream job due to the pandemic. January 2021, my father, mother, and younger brother all diagnosed with COVID-19 in the same week. Father in his 60s makes a full recovery, but my younger brother dies two weeks later. March 2021, after a long struggle, my mother dies from COVID. My family lives about 500 miles away, and I have done everything I can to help, but there is only so much you could do from this kind of distance. I'm blessed enough to find a temporary job working in a warehouse for a fraction of the pay I was making at my previous job, but it's really hard only getting support from churches and friends. I've averaged about 60 hours per week since March of 2020 to get the income needed to keep us going. It's definitely been a physical, mental, and emotional strain. I have yet to be able to find another job in my previous field due to the volatility of the financial markets and the inability to generate clients in pre-pandemic ways. In my heart, I know God has his hand on my life, and I believe he could turn all things for good, but I'm struggling with feeling that I'm not living up to my potential and failing my family by not finding a job that I could provide as well and still be available for them in this crazy season. All insights are greatly appreciated. Thanks, Jared. Yee yee. Thanks, Jared. Um, shout out to, to Nashville. Bernie and I mm-hmm. both lived in Nashville. Um, late 30s, got quite a story here. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, but yet you're you're holding your head up and and talking about your blessings, which tells me that you're you're in a right place. Um, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't you could be in a right place and um, and still be struggling with what to do tomorrow. So did I hear right that he lost his mom and his brother yep. this year? Yep. He's got a nine year old daughter. Mm-hmm. He's in his late thirties, and and a growth on his brain um, that yeah. that looks like it's stable, but they're not getting the total results. So he's got a lot going on. Yeah, you could plug in, Jared. You could plug it in with a lot of people right now in the world. A lot of Americans, a lot of a lot of people worldwide. You could plug in anybody's name for Jared. Say they've had several losses recently back to back including their job and they're dealing with their own physical health and they're feeling guilty that they might not be living up to what their family expects from them all right who's got something on this so this sounds like a pastor question (laughs) it kind of does i kind of want to go to chat on this yeah so what i hear in what he's kind of described there, there is this belief and understanding that God is present through this. He says, I know that God has his hand on me. I know he's got a plan. However, I still 
wrestle with this feeling that I'm failing, mm. that I'm insufficient. Mm-hmm. And so there's a tension there, right? There's, yeah, yeah, I know God has this, but I still have to do my yeah. part in this, right? And so yeah. I think that's what that's what like my heart feels immediate for him. And he's, again, not alone in having all kinds of crazy things happen, but also not alone that we as men will tend to find our identity in what we can produce. I mean, that goes back to Genesis 3, right? When the curse comes down from God to Adam and Eve, for Adam it's particular in that you will labor hard and have difficulty producing uh, from the ground. Like this will be a hard thing for you. And so from that point forward, men in particular will always struggle to find their value and their meaning in what they can produce. And it's, I think, particularly sensitive when it comes to producing for wife and kids. Is that a good or bad thing? I think it is, it's a dangerous thing because as much as we can say, no, I trust God for my identity, my value, my purpose, and I'm in Christ, we still go, but when I compare myself to my friends or the culture around me, I'm only valuable to the extent I can produce in my mind what I think I need to produce. Yeah. And so he has a unique opportunity that as the world watches him, right, all his neighbors, friends, family, watch him go through some horrific seasons of life. They get to watch how he responds in a way that trusts the Lord, doesn't find fault with the Lord, and is okay with it because his identity is not in his own ability to produce. And so that may be something that the Lord is trying to walk him through and teach him uh, through, but it doesn't make it easy. It's super hard when we can't uh, produce in the way that we want to. And so I think there's something there with identity and not necessarily saying that he's giving lip service to his faith, but that there is a real tension with saying, I believe God for this. However, I still need to do my part. Yeah. I, I need to produce. And so finding that balance of seeing the opportunities you have and what, you know, what God has given you and the, the clients you do have and the work you can do, but just trusting that this is a season, this isn't forever, uh, this too shall pass, as they say, right? And that this is an opportunity yet to, to demonstrate your loyalty, your commitment, your worship to God in the midst of trial. Yeah, that's uh, so know. good. It, you, yeah, you're you're right on, and and that there is a positive note that he's taking responsibility for taking care of his family, mm-hmm. and that is a good thing, very much so. And that that is a that is a gift from God that that not only that he was given that, um, but he's accepting that responsibility. He's feeling the weight of that. So, Jared, my heart goes to you, man. That you feel the weight of this, but Chad's right on in in saying that this is a season. And it's so hard to see past a season like this, but they always change. It's like the leaves and the trees and the seasons, they change. That's, that's how life is. And that's, that's such a big reason, I think. I don't know exactly, but I think that's why Jesus just really wanted to teach, don't worry about tomorrow. He made it a big part of the Sermon on the Mount. That about everything they could have said, he wanted us to say, no, you you need to worry about today. And brother, you are. You're you're crushing today. You went out, you got a job. A lot of people email this podcast, they don't even have that temporary job. They're wanting to get back to what they think they deserve. You went out, 
you put pride aside, you got this temporary job, and you had every reason to just climb in a little cave and disappear with everything that's going on with you. But you fought back. You're a fighter. You fought back. You're working 60 hours a week. You're getting support from your friends, wise counsel. We love that. We love that you're getting wise counsel. And um, and the only thing I think that's missing in this whole email is full trust. God, you got this. You got people love to, to quote Romans eight twenty eight, but they always for, they just quote the all things for good part. They forget the love God according to his purpose they forget those parts so he's got a purpose for you trust him believe him love him and in the meantime you're crushing it yeah jared i'll i'll hit you with some just practical um i think they hit on this on a very spiritual kind of uh you know uh higher level but having had a friend that's um had a brain tumor removed and had to go on medication to address it. Um, it sounds like you're on medication, and I know how that can mess with mood. It can mess with hormones. It can mess with your ability to process emotion. Um, so <clears throat> I would just suggest to either, I, I don't, and again, you're not at the campfire with us, so I can't ask you these questions. Like, um, But I would, I would suggest to like, keep that in mind and maybe your wife knows that and like you have some accountability to like hey this medicine is not this kind is not working like man i'm feeling this way so i think from a medication standpoint just make sure that you're being monitored like and people that know you really well are seeing how you're responding mm-hmm. to that because those things that they I, i've seen them firsthand play um have major effects on people and the other thing is um everybody at this table probably has either experienced um, or know somebody that's experienced um, the death in the family that you're kind of uh, working with. My dad passed away last December. Um, man, push into some counseling of some kind to, to really process your grief, and that's a lot all at once, too, yeah. especially on top of just the low-lying trauma that everybody's kind of dealing with in this season of, of COVID and everything. So um, I think just practical you know, um, make somebody, make sure somebody's kind of like aware of your medication and then counseling for your grief just to process through some of those yeah. emotions and everything. That's a pretty good, a pretty good paint that, you know, we did a broad stroke on this and, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Having, having both of you guys in here. Um, I, here's one that this has to be lighter, but it's called friendship breakup. And it says, how do you know it's time when it's time to end a friendship? Long story short, we've been best friends for a few years now, and our families were super close, did everything together. She was invited to a bachelorette party and declined for budget and aligning priorities. Quotations. Less than 12 hours later, they were at Windstar. The following weekend was a weekend getaway to a really expensive hotel and another trip to Windstar. And this coming weekend, a weekend trip to New Orleans, all with friends that she, that they, excuse me, have made in the past two or three months. I feel like I'm being told our friendship is not a priority to her, and I've been extremely hurt by this. Am I overreacting, or is it time to step back? It's Parker. That's Parker all over it. Um, this comes from Amanda. <laughs> Parker hasn't. He loses friends all the time. 
<laughs> he knows about that. <laughs> hey, will my friends go to casinos without me? Um, I guess the question here is, should I be friends with someone who seems to be not respectful of my time or wanting to hang out with me? Or am I being, am I being, uh, am I overthinking this? Am I bringing drama into this unnecessarily? Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if Christian was here, I know that he would say something about what kind of expectations are you setting for this friendship that that is not reciprocated? You're 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 setting this high expectation of we're besties. We do everything together. We tell each other everything. If someone new comes into our lives, we introduce them, and that's an expectation that that the other person is not giving back to Amanda. Um. I am frustrated. I'm frustrated with this question. And it's partly why I put it on this, this group. Um, and I, sometimes I put questions in here because I think a lot of people need to hear it. Because a lot of people probably feel it. But this is, this is, a, this is such a waste of spirit and effort and heart. Um, I cannot imagine how you're stressing over this. And imagine Jared, not, not comparing here, but imagine what Jared's going through and, and Amanda, you're dealing with, um, a friend that's going to Windstar. And I want, I just kind of, I don't want to compare, but I do want to kind of just put a perspective in here that are you overreacting? Yes. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you are, what does that make you feel? Yeah, my immediately I, I look to expectations and what she expects of the friend, and like, are you are you unwilling to sit down and have a conversation or yeah. kind of deal with some resolution here? Like, let's there's unresolved frustration, so just grab coffee. Go grab lunch, something, but just say, hey, here, here's what's going on. We've been friends for a long time, and I just need to share some things And because I want this friendship to continue. Obviously, you wouldn't be hurt if you didn't want it to continue, so it's worth fighting for, and that's what friends do uh, through thick and thin, ups and downs, but they deal with unresolved conflict so that once resolved, you're better for it. You're better friends for it. If you find that through that confrontation, this friend is like, I'm sorry, this is too much for me. Maybe that's an indicator too, that it's not the kind of friendship that's healthy and that you need to engage with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would be willing to resolve the conflict and confront it. And in doing that, you're being the kind of friend that you'd probably want to have. Yeah. That's so, good. so let me ask you a question, uh, cause I think that's great advice, but let's say Amanda. Yep. Let's say Amanda reaches out to Julie says, hey, can we grab coffee to do this? And Julie's like, uh, no, I'm just uh, busy or I, I can't do it. I'm not sure when I can do it. Um, or let's let's say that they do get together and have coffee. Let's go this way. They yeah. have coffee and Julie is just like, yeah, she's intentionally been doing this and there there is like a break. And Julie doesn't necessarily want to continue the same level of friendship let's just say that's a possibility how does amanda then respond to that not not just respond to julie but how does she go about 
living and, and accepting that this, man, this was a friendship. I'm hurt that it kind of went this way, but how do I kind of like now navigate going forward without that friendship the same as it was before? I think when that happens, that is, it's, it's the loss of a friend, right? It's, it's like a death. Mm-hmm. And there's a grief process associated with that of, and I can't remember off the top of my head what that grief process is, but there are steps that we emotionally go through to kind of reconcile in our lives that that person isn't going to be that person in mm-hmm. the same way or maybe ever again. And so I think there is a grief process that you have to go through and just lament the loss of a friend, if that's the case. If the fr- if the friendship can never be what it was, you have to you know figure out, am I okay with what it can be? And if it can't, if I'm not okay with that, then maybe you have to part with that. But it's, there's no easy fix if somebody doesn't want to be your friend. Um, I mean, I, I have to wrestle with this with my, uh, 11 year old daughter as she navigates every year, there's a different group of girls in her grade and navigate through so-and-so who was a good friend is no longer a good friend and, and just help her see that because that one friend isn't there in the same way, it opens up opportunities and time for you to explore new friendships. And so I think maybe there's something to that too. No, that's great. Great answer. I think that what you said about communication is by far the key. Like you got to talk to your friends, period. I'm convinced that all the questions can be answered by like, I haven't figured it out yet, but it's like six or seven answers. And (laughs) communication is one. And that's, so this one falls under communication. Communication. Talk, talk to her. Yep. Amanda, talk to her. Um, And the last one would fall under trust. Trust, just trust, trust the process, trust God, trust your spouse, you know, there's always mm-hmm. a trust issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, maybe we'll continue to find these themes. Yeah. If we do, we have to write a book about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah. Every Absolutely. answer has one of six, yeah. or every question, one of six answers. Um, I think we, let's, let's talk out one more and take a break. Um, let me throw a couple at you guys and see if anything steps out. Mechanical bull at a wedding, trying not to be a Karen, legalistic Christians. What to do? Help. Ghosted. Any of those pop out? I like the mechanical bull. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Hey, Granger, need some advice from our wedding reception. My fiance and I are deciding on what entertainment to have for the guests at the beginning of the reception while we're all getting our pictures done. Right now, we have planned to do the typical appetizers, yard games, background music during this time. Estimated about one and a half hours of downtime between the ceremony and us entering the reception. He would like to have a mechanical bull at the reception. The mechanical bull is about $900 to rent and seems too much to spend when that money could be used in other places. Now, we didn't meet at a rodeo and he doesn't ride bulls. So I don't see the reasoning behind it. Don't get me wrong. I think it would be super fun. But for us, I just think it would be a little weird. What do you guys think? What have you enjoyed at weddings that you've attended? <laughs> Thanks for reading my email. Mary. Mary. Um, You're asking the wrong group, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say just the fact that you're willing to consider and entertain the idea. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. You got to do it. I've never, I've never heard of anybody doing that, and I would never 
forget that of any wedding I went to. They had a mechanical bull. Or we could stand around and like have drinks and, you know, appetizers. Boring. <laughs> do the mechanical bull. Granger will even pay for it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He won't do that. I don't want to volunteer for that. But I, I will say, besides the mechanical bull, besides any of that, this is an interesting indication of uh, in, during this engagement time of what is to come in your marriage. You think a mechanical bull is a big decision. Just wait till you have kids. Wait till you have to, to buy a house and you're, you're, you have to get a new car payment and mm-hmm. you're, you're wanting to, you needing to move for a job across the country because he got a, a, a new job offer that it only gets more complicated or he wants to like backpack into the remote parts of <laughs> Indonesia. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. He's yeah. going to ask you that someday. It, so only, it only gets more complicated. Um, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to understand the word of compromise before you get married. And Pastor Chad could maybe even jump in since he does marriage counseling. But um, this is, if this is a big deal to you, then you need to see the bigger picture of why it's a big deal. Because I I would say, just like Bernie did, hey, if your fiance, if you love him, and he's all about the mechanical bull, and it's really what he wants, because I'm sure... Mary, that you have a bunch of things that you really want. If this is one of the few things, I'm assuming there's a f- only a few things mm-hmm. that this dude wants. He wants a mechanical bull. Is it expensive? $900? Ex- yes, that's expensive. Can you compromise and give up a few of your things to make up that money? Maybe some flowers. Maybe there's something that you're doing that you could compromise a little bit and honor him in that. If he was, hey, if he was emailing, I would say the same thing back to him to honor you. It's not a guy or a girl thing. I would say, I would say, honor that, especially right before what this day represents is huge. Yeah, I would say there is. Uh, what's the? I think Bernie alluded to it. What's the win here, right? If if the goal is for your guests to have an, I mean, an unforgettable experience while they wait and you take pictures. I, I've never. I've been to a lot of weddings. Can we come? Can you just like yes. send an invite to us? That would be sweet. But they, your guests will never forget your wedding day if that happens. But if that's not your goal, then you know they make a different decision. I would also say too, it's a good opportunity, like something like this, for couples considering marriage or moving towards that. They have to come to an understanding of how are you going to make difficult decisions? What are the, what's the criteria by which you determine one way or the other and the, the financial component, but what are the values that you guys have that help you make difficult decisions? Cause they're only going to get harder from here. And so you've got to figure that out. How do you guys make decisions, whether to move, whether to take this job, whether to, you know, let this person move in for a season. Uh, there, there's all kinds of weird life uh, situations that there's no book for, and you just got to figure out how you're going to make those decisions. Great stuff. Mary, honor him. Go to him and just say, hey, babe, we should do it. Why? Granger Smith said so. Has anyone here <laughs> ridden a mechanical or live bull? Yeah. I've ridden a mechanical yeah. bull. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty fun. They're okay. pretty Not fun. very long. But I, I, was, I was on there. I at least got on. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Be right back. 
podcast is brought to you guys today by Raycon. I love this brand and I love having good quality earbuds. I travel a lot. So earbuds are so important, especially when I'm traveling because I get on a plane and I need something that is going to block out the noise around me. It's going to help me listen to the music I'm listening to or the podcast I'm listening to or the, the YouTube video that I've downloaded that, I, that I'm trying to catch up on. I need to have uh, good quality earbuds that help me through all this. And this is where Raycon comes in for me. Sometimes you guys, you know how this, this is. You either need some upbeat music to pump you up before you meet people or see people or work out, or you need some chill out music to help keep you calm, maybe right before bed. Raycon can help you with all that. Let me tell you about Raycon. They are the best way to listen to music or podcast or the alike. They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort. And unlike other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. They look really awesome. They have a 32-hour battery life. You know how long that is? You know how many airplane flights and movies you could watch on the plane with a 32-hour battery life? You could listen to whatever you want when you want it for a really long time. They also start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. That is huge. Raycon comes with a 45-day happiness guarantee. You can't get a happiness guarantee in anything else in life, pretty much. <laughs> happiness is not guaranteed unless you're on a 45-day happiness guaranteed by Raycon, so you really can't lose. Give them a try, and you'll see what I mean. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. My Granger Smith podcast listeners can get 15% off the Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Granger. That's buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com slash Granger to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Granger. All right. This is an interesting question that I picked out of the group, and it says, Granger, my name is Ken. I live in beautiful Falcon, Colorado with my amazing daughter, Sammy. Question, do you feel or hear God in your heart or mind slash thoughts? Are these at times interchangeable for you? For myself, when I go into prayer about a decision, I'm very aware of my mind trying to justify what I want from the decision. Justifying almost always turns out to be the wrong choice. How do you receive the message? Parker, I'm kicking it off to you. Because it's an interesting thought. Um, and I think highly misunderstood. And I want you to go, I want you to go straight reformed on us. Uh, because this is uh this is how you start dabbling in paganism if you start thinking too much about how's god speaking to me i'm gonna kick this off to oh Chad. come on no <laughs> no i don't feel qualified to answer that whatsoever at this table this. you could crush this. i'm not really following the question if i'm being honest and i don't know if the listeners he's, are either he's asking they're how asking, do you hear God? How do you hear God? It, and I'm fighting with my own consciousness over what God is telling me and how do I discern the difference between the two? Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, it's difficult. It's not easy. I think that it starts with um, admitting 
to God that you need his help, having a conversation with him daily. Uh, I know that the Bible tells us it's through the daily renewal of our minds to not hearts to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, I mean, John MacArthur, a pastor that I like always says, I don't know a better way for God to communicate with me what his will is than through my own desires. And that's a dangerous thing to say because then the the second part of that is, okay, well, what happens if my desires aren't in line with his will? Yeah. So this isn't helping very much, but I would say... Uh, no, you're right on. You're right where I wanted you to go with this. Yeah. Yeah. So so then the, the question is, okay, well, how do I align my desires, my, my will with God's... How do I have him give me the desires of my heart? Right? Yeah. And so I, I think that it's in trust it's in the daily reading of his word it's in the seeking of wise counsel of godly men who have been there and been in that situation before it's through deep honest uh, humble prayer and repeat those three 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 things and and then you do whatever you want to do yeah yeah that's what that's what you would say is you do those things and then you do whatever you want to do because by that point, he's controlling your want tos. He's controlling your desire. He's putting the desires in you. Yeah, it's Psalm. I'm going to get it wrong. Somewhere in the Psalms, yeah, it says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And if you yeah. think about that, where is the center of delight? Well, it's in our heart. So if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then we get what our heart wants, which is Him. Right. So as I pursue him and am satisfied in him, then whatever I set out to do is going to glorify him. So when I delight myself in him, he will give me the desires of my heart. Some people read that and go, well, I'll I'll kind of do lip service to God and then I'll get the Ferrari, which is what I really want. Yeah. Right. Well, that's not the that's not delighting yourself in the Lord, truly. And so, yeah, I think you're. I like what you said. I think you're highly qualified. Yep. Can I also say, Chad, I'm thankful that you didn't quote where that was in the Psalms and you don't know, because that makes me feel a little better <laughs> that the pastor at the table can't do it. So if I can't do it, yeah, just, there's hundreds of them. Let's yeah, be honest. But, well, the Bible <laughs> says, I love that. I could have said that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think too, some people, they go down a mystical road. Yeah. They're wondering, I think we... Back in one of the earlier podcasts, we had somebody saying, do you see God in the clouds? Yep. And some people wonder, is there like an audible voice? When mm-hmm. when Christians talk about, I heard from the Lord, or the Lord was showing me, and we would naturally go, okay, well, does he, is there an apparition in the room? Or is there a voice that you hear? Or are there signs that you're looking for? And they want there to be some something more magical or mystical than he's revealed himself in his word. He speaks by the Holy Spirit through his body, which are the body of believers. And so he has revealed himself in creation to a certain extent, right? Not in the clouds or whatever, but the the clouds declare his glory. So we don't look for these magical, mystical experiences. He's, he's spoken. He's, he's revealed himself in the word. And there's an analogy about how the Holy Spirit works that's always helped me to say, to understand w- the things that people claim are happening via the Holy Spirit. Like, are they legitimate or not? And if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., 
and gone to check out all the monuments. Have you guys been? Yeah. So yeah. incredible. And the best time to go is at night because then yeah. not only is it not super hot because I've only ever been there in the summer and it's really hot there, but the, the way the lights illuminate and bring to life some of these monuments and the fascinating thing that I noticed one time when walking through there, I can always see the monuments um, in the Korean War Memorial or the Vietnam Memorial or the Lincoln Memorial. You, you can see them and they're perfectly lit up. But what you never notice is the actual light bulb that's doing it. They're always like recessed in the ground or behind a shrub or, but you never can see the glare of a bulb. You just see the light that it produces and it illuminates the monument, the thing that you came to see. And that is exactly like the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that his, his goal, his, his, the reason why he was sent was to manifest and make known Christ. And so if a thing that we are claiming is of the Spirit of God, if it doesn't make much of Jesus and cause us to look to him and exalt him, then it may not be of the Spirit because his whole goal is to get us to look and see the wonderful works of God through Jesus Christ. That's so good, Ken. Yeah, it, good. This is never as complicated as you think. If you're reading, if you're deep in the word, if you're deep in prayer, if you're surrounding yourself, like Parker said, with wise counsel of godly men— then at that point, you literally do what you want. Because at that point, God is controlling your wants. That is, it's so simple that it's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. But don't sit around and think, I don't hear anything. God, I'm trying to listen for you. And I don't hear you talking. He's not going to talk to you. Because he, he only did that a few times to some of the prophets. But everybody else in the Bible, he did it through their desires and their wants. So... Yeah, there you go, brother. Um, let's let's find. How about this? Uh, let's see if I can get one that's not about God. I get so many questions about God now. Um, this one says, "Try not to be a Karen." Hey, Granger and guest, I have a situation I'd like to put your get your input on. I'm currently married. We've been married for seven years. We have one child. We are having issues such as communication, trust, etc. He works out of town a lot. I'm wondering, do I put in the effort to fix the relationship or give up and go our own ways? I have asked to seek couples counseling and I got a maybe from him. I have also looked into divorce. I truly don't know what to do. Thanks for your input, Karen. Let me start by this, Karen. Um, is there abuse involved? Involved? Is there um, is there cheating, cheating involved? Is your yeah? She jumped pretty quick from yeah. He works out of town, and or sorry, we're having trouble communicating. Should I just leave and like get divorced? Yeah. And, like whoa, well, there's a lot in between there that we don't know what's going on. If your well, child. I guess there should be if it's. If she's making that leap, there must be something. Is your child in danger? If you answer no to any of those questions, then absolutely do not give up. Don't. That that is that is a huge problem in society today. Marriage is not does not have an exit plan that doesn't come with contingencies. 
That's not what it's about. And so you, you can't get in your head that that's even a possibility. The D word is out. Unless your child's in danger, unless you're in danger, unless he, unless he is cheated and will not repent to you. Because <laughs> even if he cheated, you, could, you still got to try to hold it together. Um, Parker, you're the, you're the single man of the group. Well, you're the one that's not married out of this group. Um, I know that you, you're not looking at marriage in your future as something that's going to have an exit plan to it. You're not ever going to get into a marriage where you might have to ask, I don't know what to do. Should I just give up? Right? Yeah, I think, uh, that's kind of why I was interested in going to the ghosting question after this one so that you don't end up in this situation. Cause uh, that next girl I'm assuming is going to say, there's a guy who just, who led me on and was talking to me. And then now he's gone and I, I, I have no idea. And I feel really wronged and cheated and I want him back. What do I do? It's like, you thank God that you didn't marry that guy and he got out of your life and made the decision for you. So I think it just starts with understanding the seriousness and gravity of what marriage is. Yes. And that you're bringing God into this relationship to become one. I think that one of the biggest problems with society today is we just don't take that seriously. Seven uh, that years. doesn't really help her in this situation now, except for the fact that she needs to fight and only, I mean, unless it was really, really, really bad, like you said, would you consider that? Fight for did your she, child, if did, anything. Did she mention like relationship with God or like, no. no. No, that's okay. kind of why I read it because okay. like it's one of the okay. few that don't say God. Okay, so um, second question would be what? What when you say like fight for it? Practically, what does Karen need to do? I would say this with Karen. I would say I would go to him and go, "Honey, I know you're wishy washy about going to counseling, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Me and you are going to do it because I love you." And I made a vow to love you until death. Through sickness, through trouble, we made a vow, and I will stand by you. We have, if anything, we have a child that this will devastate. Look, look at the statistics. It will devastate. You're, you're teeter-tottering here with devastating this child or putting this child on a path that's just rough. It's common. It's like 50% or whatever, but very common. But rough. Why Why would you put your child through something rough when you're right here? It, you, it sounds like you just don't want to do it. And so I would say, we're going to do counseling. I don't want to. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying if we, I don't want to either, but we have to. And, and, and I, and I would just say, what's the kind of, what, what is a counseling that would make you feel comfortable? What is a, should we go to a, a male or a female or a, you know, I would just find a compromise, but you got to make it work. Yeah. I think like Bernie pointed out, there's just, there was a huge leap. Um, and there's, it seems like there's a lot of information that we just aren't privy to that. If you were here at the, the camp campfire, we'd have a lot of questions and ask what you have tried to do and what you've explored. And when did this start to happen? When did you start to experience this kind of distance uh, and try to, to kind of get some more context to it. But I think as you said, and, and you pointed out, uh, Granger, that 
unless there's this, 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 and this, bite. Like get into bite. it. And what does that look like? It it means yeah. getting into the communication. Um, and yeah, uh, calling, engaging. Um, are you able to go on some of these trips with him? And what would that look like for you guys to accompany him on uh, within this travel and just be a part of what uh, is going on? Is there, yeah, a way to to challenge him to be to be more engaged at home? And it says what seven years of marriage? Seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, How old was their kid? Doesn't say. Yeah, I mean, kids will. Well, Man. since we don't have all those answers, Karen, I would just suggest find a, a group of ladies or maybe find a counselor yourself that you can ask these questions and they can kind of walk through and guide you a little bit more specifically through the through the process. And they can maybe hold your hand, whatever is going right. to happen, um, that you can actually have real life people kind of that will sit and cry with you and laugh with you and whatever through this. And then serve your husband, be in the word, serve your husband until, and I, I hope everybody understands what I mean by serve your husband. That doesn't mean like go get his beer and deliver his food. That means like um, we take the posture of humility and when we're just soaking in God's word, that that's what it's going to do to us. It's going to, it's going to make us want to like think of others and like serving them and thinking of them and if that's not happening now and it starts to, maybe that's something that your husband recognizes. Like, man, something's something's changing and, you know, could be the start of something. But Absolutely. Well, uh, what does it mean to be a Karen? I think I've been told this before. <laughs> Dude, I'm so but old. It's, and I, I think either. my kids have tried to explain it to me. What it sounds like a Parker question. Yes, Parker. <laughs> uh, unpack. What is a Karen? Um, well, a Karen is somebody who is just a complainer. And is typically having a bad time wherever she goes. The very first original Karen uh, actually originated from somebody who's likely to ask to speak to the manager at a restaurant, at a business, somebody who's not happy with the service that they think they deserve. So it comes with a sense of entitlement. And uh, typically imagine like a brunch, everybody's just trying to have a good time. Karen uh, asked for her dressing on the side. She got it on top. She wants to speak to the manager who's going to make a big ordeal out of it. Yeah. Karen calls the homeowners association because your grass is getting long mm. or your, your this trash a, can's still out there. Was this like in a skit somewhere or on the <laughs> It got popular interwebs? on uh, social media uh, where it would, it's typically um, a woman in her, you know, mid forties, big black sunglasses, highlighted hair, typically down to the shoulders uh, and <laughs> a nice cardigan or a fur jacket. And it says... Girls with hair like this have a 12 out of 10 chance of asking to speak to the manager. Yeah. And that, I that, can that's totally what really visualize popular. this mm. person, Karen. I know of quite a few Karens. I'm, well, with that said, so for, the subject line yeah. was, I'm trying not, not to, to be, be a Karen. Look, when it's your marriage, that that doesn't count. Doesn't yeah, count. Yeah, it doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> I want to go to uh, Ghosted because Parker remembered the title yeah. Ghosted. And I think it's going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. It said, I'd like to remain anonymous, but this is honestly kind of petty. The guy I've been seeing for the last two months has ghosted me. He seemed to be a strong believer, so I didn't expect to get ghosted, especially since the last text he sent was checking to see how I felt things were going between us. That actually kind of sounds like a problem. Uh, I want to make 
another online dating profile just to catfish him. But I'm thinking that that's not turning the other cheek. What do you think? I've tried everything to meet a strong believer, but it just hasn't happened. I've visited other churches, asked friends if they know godly guys, flew to Texas for a blind date, and eventually tried online dating. I went to a Christian college and grad school. Do you have any tips for meeting godly guys? As I'm getting closer to 30, I started to give up hope of getting married and having kids. Maybe it's God's will for me to be single. Thanks, Anonymous Parker. There's some terms in there you need to define. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm hearing um, (laughs) online dating, for one, not to say that you can't find someone with an online dating profile. Uh, Probably, what's your criteria for finding somebody in online dating? You're just seeing a picture of them. I'm, I'm hearing that you thought he was a believer, but his actions, I like to say his actions are speaking so loud that I can't hear what he's saying. So... I think that I like the saying also of the heart wants what it's fed. Don't follow your heart and form your heart. So I think that she's in a spot right now where she can kind of ask herself, what is it that is making me attracted to these types of men that are doing this, that are maybe saying that they're believers or saying that they're good guys, but their actions are speaking. Uh, Otherwise I would, I would just encourage her to, Uh, Also do a deep dive into trying to find contentment in her singleness now. I'm hearing a little bit of uh, borderline uh, being desperate and finding validation in a spouse. You're not going to be able to find somebody to complete complete you. You would only find that uh, through God and through who he says you are. So it's just what a great opportunity now to to focus on herself and her relationship with God and to truly uh, have an honest conversation with herself of, am I, it sounds like she's going to these different churches trying to find a guy, uh, flying out of state to try to find a guy. I would just encourage her to, you know. A side note, don't do that. Don't don't fly to another state for a blind date, please. It, especially if it's online. I hope that this, what that wasn't from online. That's just dangerous. Yikes. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, agreed. Um I think that one of the best ways, one of the best pieces of, of advice at this point in my life that I can give to, to finding a spouse is, is uh, first off, setting your non-negotiables of what you're looking for in a spouse, what's important to you, of what's going to make a good husband and father. Uh, like I said, finding contentment in your singleness now and saying, even if I don't find someone, I will truly be content. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really believe it. And then to... to to find that joy, hope, and peace that's found through Christ and getting involved with your church. And then if you find someone else who's running toward him as fast as you are, then yes, you'll consider it. That's exactly my thought is that Anonymous here has spoke many times about Christians. She went to a Christian college. She's talking to Christian friends about Christian guys. He assumed her ex was a Christian. She's saying, oh, visited churches. She's throwing that out so much, but... Nothing in here screams you're pursuing Christ. This is the the fundamental element of being a Christian is passionately pursuing Christ. Not it's not a heritage or a it's not even really a religion. We we like to say it's not even really a religion in that sense. Um, 
It's passionately pursuing a relationship with Christ. And that doesn't sound like you. I'm not trying to be rude, but that doesn't sound like that's not screaming from your email that you're doing that. You're wanting everybody else to. And you're wanting to surround yourself with people that are, but I don't feel that from you. And I think Parker said it right. You're, if you passionately pursue Christ, then you're going to find somebody that's side by side parallel with you doing the same thing. And you're going to turn and go, oh, hey, look at you. Right? Yeah, so, that was so good. Y'all need to rewind back to when Parker first started and listen to that one more time. That was really good, dude. That whole thing. I think that uh, to ask something that what a lot of people would be saying is, hold on, Granger, I, I do know a lot of Christians because they've said the prayer and the Bible says that when we say the prayer and we accept Christ into our heart, did it when I was 12 at church and I meant it. I, I do think that I'm a, I'm a Christian. I do think that all my friends are Christian. Um, what do you think is the difference between what you're saying of someone who's passionately pursuing Christ and, <coughs> and what the world views a Christian as now in America? I think it's a big problem. I think it's a massive problem. I think there's a lot of self-proclaiming Christians that don't even really know what that means. I'm not trying to throw shade. I've walked that walk before. Um, and I think it's a very dangerous walk. So, so what's the difference of someone passionately pursuing Christ versus someone who has professed his name? Maybe this is a good Chad question. Well, in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, there's a uh, an instance where Jesus, the they have he has entered Jerusalem, and the triumphal entry has happened, and he's getting closer and closer to the events leading up to the crucifixion. And uh, after they enter, they have to actually go and leave to a small community um, called Bethany to stay there for the night. So they're leaving, and um, on the, upon their return to Jerusalem, they see off in a distance, it says, a fig tree full of leaves. And all of a sudden, this expectation that, oh, there's a fig tree with leaves on it, and the indication is, that in that region, when a fig tree has leaves, it means that it's bearing fruit. It's in the season for bearing fruit. And and the text even says, it wasn't the season for figs. However, this tree had leaves on it. So it looked like it was going to be fruit bearing. And when they get up closer, because they're hungry, they find this tree does not actually have any fruit on it. And so then Jesus curses this fig tree and it shrivels up and dies, right? Moment or uh, the next day. And so the, I think the, the sober warning there is for believers to not just look like they're a, a, a believer and that they say the right things and they, they go and do the right, uh, they go to the church and they check the box, but are they bearing fruit? Because we don't want to be a fig tree that looks like it should be bearing fruit, right? It claims that it's a Christian, but there's no fruit found in our lives. And fruitfulness is not only... Right. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But also, the mark of a follower of Christ is that you are causing others to meet Jesus and follow, follow him, right? Discipleship, evangelism, you're bearing fruit, you're causing other believers to occur, because that's what fruit does for a tree. It has seeds in it, and it produces other things like it. And so, are we causing others around us? So, if that's the pursuit of Christ that's happening it's going to bear fruit. 
And you're going to see really right away, you're going to be able to detect is somebody genuinely following Christ or not? If you are at that level. And I, I kept thinking, man, she has painted a picture for us. I don't know if she intended to of a strong pursuit of men. Yeah. Right. She, I'm guessing a lot of time and energy and emotion is spent thinking about and, and posturing life and time and in pursuit of finding the guy. And I just, what if that level of intentionality was put on pursuing the Lord? What would change in her life and her joy? So pastor, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, or guide me in this, yeah. but... Um, hey, guys, we, we've got a couple of minutes before this is going to break again. So I'm kind of proposing we do one more round. Okay, I'm down. Will you hold that thought? Yeah. Kick off another round, take a yes. break. Kick off another round. We'll lead with that. All right, okay. be right back. All right, we're going, we're going extra long. Episode 100... I haven't even said how grateful I am that this podcast has lasted that long. Um, it took a turn about episode 50 and turned into this, which I'm so grateful for. And Parker had a big part to do with that. When, uh, we were trying to decide the direction of the podcast and I was coming up with content and I was telling stories. And at some point Parker was like, man, we just answer questions, answer people's questions. That way I don't have to worry about being creative every week and I could actually uh, be consistent about putting out the podcast. And then that turned in, that was all it was. And then it turned into something so much more meaningful. So uh, let's continue and Bernie, I don't, I don't want to leave you hanging. Yeah. So Chad was just uh, referring to the, the fig tree, uh, Jesus and the disciples walking back into Jerusalem. Right. And I was just going to <clears throat> get some feedback from him on more of the specifics of what's happening there. We were talking about um, this, uh, I don't remember her name. Anonymous. An- anonymous. Um, pursuing these relationships with these Christian guys, and we kind of were discussing the, you know, the adjective of Christian in front of something. And I just uh, wanted to hear what Chad, you know, had to say about the, the fact that in that same passage that... Um, you know, asking like was Jesus was referring to the nation of Israel, um, and that was it was uh, a metaphor, and that that tree, um, the the leaves were representing this religiousness that they that they had, um, that they showed. They had the adjective in front of their name that they were this. They know, were God's people. They were God's people. Yeah. Um, but yet there was no fruit. And what Jesus turns and says to the disciples is. If you have faith and you do not doubt, you will say to this mountain, move, and it will be so. Loosely, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and um, just for some context, as they're walking back into to Jerusalem, he doesn't say, um, you'll say to a mountain. He says to this mountain, and they're facing the mountain that the temple was on. And so what we're... What we're guessing and what we're thinking that Jesus is alluding to is that, hey, with your little bit of faith and with you believing and not doubting, like you will be the church. Yeah. And it's not in the substance of the the things you do. 
It's not in the show of religiosity. It's in the substance of faith, trusting purely in the work of, of God through Christ. And it's interesting that if he, if the reference is, and, and we can, we can extrapolate that it's probably that. And if it is the, the temple represents, and that's, that's where people would go to meet with God. That's where the dwelling place, the dwelling place. That's where they would have interaction with God. That's where atonement for sin, like where their sin was dealt with through the sacrificial system. And so everything that the temple represents, like he's literally saying that the, the, all of that, right. Could, you know, that's found in Christ through faith. Mm -hmm. And so the substance of faith is not the show of religiosity or the adjective. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. It's, it's truly a, a life of trusting God and, and the fruit that that produces in your life. You're yeah. not working for your salvation. You're working as a result from that salvation. Mm -hmm. This is not a, we're not sliding Miss Anonymous here that's, that emailed, um, but we're just making a point. And, and everyone listening has, they're thinking, ah, oh, Actually, I was wondering about that person that says they're such a big Christian, but I don't see it. Well, that's that's a bunch of leaves and no fruit. So you could see the proof always in the fruit. You guys know what I'm talking about. Here, I want to go to a question that I haven't, I don't think I've seen anything like this before. And it's an interesting thing to address. It says, hey, Granger, this is Cindy from Chico, California. I love all your podcasts and I love the Smiths. I have a question that maybe you could help me counsel on. I live with my adult child and their other half. They have no income, and it seems like they are happy that way. I want to find another place to live. But my dilemma is that I can't find a place big enough for the three of us on a fixed income. But if I leave them, they will be penniless. And I've tried that once before. They just keep coming to me, asking me for money to get things they need so that I can support them. My question is, how do I do what's best for me and not feel like I'm abandoning them and doing them wrong in the end? I should add that my child has a disability that prevents them from getting a job. That last sentence Glad is very you important. added that. That last sentence. sentence is very important. <laughs> um, and change, man, I was, I was about to go off. Yeah. Until that last <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Um, I was, I'll tell you what I was going to say, because it might not be that far off, but Cindy, I hope you know that what you're doing out of love can and may be a form of child abuse. Oh, that's shocking. But what you're doing out of love in your mind may be a form of child abuse. Until you said that your child has a disability, and then once again, we would have to ask, like, well, what, what disability is it? Um, they have a spouse. Um, so they're, if, if they're functioning with a spouse, um, I would want to question, like, why, why can't they get a job? Why can't this, the, the better half get a job? Um, but you are, you are right to, to think at some level that it is time that you took care of yourself. 
you got to take care of yourself. It is, this is the, the scenario of the airplane where the, the mask, the oxygen mask pop out. You put yours on first and then your child. And it sounds like you're constantly putting the oxygen mask on your child and you're running out of air and you can't breathe anymore. And it doesn't matter if they're a, an infant or an adult with a disability. You've got to put the mask on. The, <laughs> can't say that these days. <laughs> the oxygen mask on. You first, because if you don't, if you're not breathing, you can't help anybody. So, Burns, where, where are you going with this? Um, yeah, I, I do. Um, the only thing she said about the disability is that it keeps him from getting a job, mm-hmm. right? It's so, interesting that she put them every time. Mm. Some something like that. I don't the, know. the sex of the yeah, child. Yeah. yeah. The pronoun deal. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, Grizz, I think you nailed it. I don't know if there's much more to this, man. Like, she... Well, no, the, the more is, what does she do now? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, let's give, her, let's give her a point of action. Okay. Um, I think it's communication. You, you got to talk with the kids... I think, I mean, again, just not knowing like the ages of them and a lot of story, like, but I think you got to talk with them and communicate, Hey, I'm not in a healthy place here Mm -hmm. and I want us all to be healthy. Um, one, maybe she doesn't even, maybe she recognizes it. That's why she's writing in. Um, first of all, uh, it's a tough situation. Um, I admire you for fighting through this and like help doing what you think you know, you can do for your disabled child. I know that that probably wasn't an easy upbringing. So recognize the struggle you've been through, but also um, hopefully you have prepared them enough. Um, they they do have a spouse. Um, I think you have the conversation and maybe whenever it becomes a group dialogue, hey guys, let's get a plan together because we all know this isn't going to continue. Y'all are broke. I'm almost broke. This place isn't big enough. What do we do? And so maybe bring them into the discussion um, and just kind of see. And if they're just apathetic and like they don't want to contribute anything, then I think yeah, Cindy, you, can, you can respond in that way. I have a big problem with this if the disability is lower back pain or yeah. a, a bad knee. That's true. He you just know said what I mean? Disability keeps him from getting a job. Well, I yeah. think us, all four of us kind of thought mental disability. Yeah. But or this, severe, yeah. This could be struggles with lower back pain. Yeah, can't lift anything. And if there, if it's a disability that does not allow for them to work, then there's probably some sort of assistance, like financial assistance, that's available. I yeah, would think. Sure. Um, will you unpack why you said it's child abuse? <laughs> um, because if you are enabling an adult to live with mommy and to live off mommy's food and money you are it is it is a an a not talked about form but is it is a major form of child abuse because you are you are um by through your enabling you are disabling them from growing and learning and going into the world and facing adversity and and getting getting a job and losing a job and get in hunting for a job again or getting some form of education or skill or trade you're you're inhibiting that 
by enabling them to feel comfortable. And that is a form of abuse. Yeah, it's almost like emotional, like the physical would be like if you tied your kids' hands together. People would be like, that's child abuse. It's like you're emotionally yeah, kind of exactly. tying their hands together and not letting them, you know, learn how to use them. This is interesting. Cindy, it says, your last sentence says, I will be seeing you in my hometown on November 16th. What I want you to do, Cindy, is, I don't, I've never done this on the podcast, um, but I want you to email back that week, and I'm going to get you a meet and greet on me, free on me. I'm going to get you a meet and greet, get you backstage. Um, I'll get to put a face to a name. I've just never done this on this podcast to be able to put a face to the name and the story. I want to hug your neck, and I want to I want to see you, and I want to hear if there's been a, any kind of form of action. Um, and if not, I want to hear it for myself. But I want to meet you in Chico, and um, and, and you you sound like. You sound like you're ready. You sound like you're in a you're in a in a place to change, and um, I'm excited for you. So we got Chico and bull riding wherever that is. We got a couple <laughs> yeah, you of, guys are going to couple of road trips. Ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Cool. So this could go a lot of different ways here. How to introduce prayer to a two and a half year old? Life after loss. Getting into the word. Career life advice. Faith help for Chad. I think it, I think it means from. Okay. Hey, I need help. <laughs> a, a timely advice question and legalistic Christians. I picked, side note, everything I picked for the podcast today is fresh. Like these emails just came in. I kept it all just right this week. Yeah, I feel perfect. like I'm on Jeopardy. Um, I'll take getting into the word. <laughs> uh, that's great. I don't know. I feel like we've covered a lot of different topics today. Does anything jump out to you? We've kind of covered covered loss I, relationships. I kind of wanted to get into um, inter- how to introduce a prayer to a two and a half year old. Yeah. Hey, Granger. My name is Monica, and I'm the mother of two boys. Growing up, I was raised in a very religious household. Ever since college, having children, COVID, and all the other crazy events going on in today's world, my husband and I have been horrible about making time for church and prayer. How did you introduce your children to God and prayer? What are some activities or conversations we could have with our sons to bring God back into our lives? My husband and I have been to your concert numerous times. We cannot wait to see you back in San Diego. Thanks, Monica. Um, the, the bigger concern than the children, this is like the oxygen mask thing. You know, you're worried about the children when I'm looking at you going, Hey, you got to get your oxygen mask on. You're, you said you've been horrible about making time for church and prayer. And I love to say, I love to quote this paraphrasing quote from, um, Martin Luther when he said, I'm so busy right now. It's going to take me weeks to pray through all these things. And I love that medieval concept of prayer that was probably a lot closer to what the apostles wanted us to think about it. Jesus wanted us to think about it, where it's like, the busier you are, the more you better be praying. And we, I think we've totally gotten away from that. And 
you say crazy events, today's world, you've been, you guys have been busy with having children and college and COVID, and you've been horrible about making time. Well, the, the first way to introduce your kids to God, like your question is saying, is for you to engulf yourself in God. If a kid comes out of their room and catches you on your knees praying for them, that is the best example you could show. That is better than any recited dinnertime prayer or nighttime go to sleep, have good dreams prayer. They walk in on mommy on her knees, eyes clenched closed and her, and her hands clasped, praying for the salvation of their child. That is, that's a, a beautiful image for a child to walk into. And... And everything after that is going to trickle down. You put that oxygen mask on first. You make time for that church. Don't tell me you're too busy for church. Everybody listening, don't tell me you're too busy. You're talking to four busy guys here. Don't tell us or anyone else you're too busy to go to church on Sunday. Find a time. There is a church in your town. You're in San Diego. Monica, I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just fired up. Wait, there is a church Harper. somewhere. Chad could look one up if you don't yeah. have one. Chad is good at finding churches, but there is one that has a service time that matches your schedule. It might be 5 o'clock on a Saturday. It might be 5 o'clock on a Sunday, p.m. It might be 11 a.m. on Sunday. But there is, there is a service that you can give an hour and a half to. And if you make that a priority... And you show your kids that we're getting dressed, we're going to church. Why? Because we love God in this house. Then, then everything, like I said, everything trickles down to, to you, your original question of how to introduce God. All right, I'll, I'll stop preaching now. Who's got this? No, it's good. I, I think on one of the podcasts, Granger, you answered a question similar to this with how you prayed with London... Like that night before, maybe it was Lincoln the night before, and I really liked it and appreciated how you said, like, you don't just go in and say, like, a recited prayer. Yeah, but you're I'm like against ver- recited yeah, prayers. Yeah, like very specific whenever you pray with them, and I thought yeah. that that was cool. I started using that, too. I think any time, like meal times, I know it, it may seem cliche, but that has been when my kids were really little— and a given opportunity because I'm not going to miss a meal. Yes. Right. Into, unless intentionally. And so we're going to sit down and, and everyone's excited about food. So I would ask them, you know, what's your favorite part of this meal that we're about to have? And isn't it cool that God made food to be yummy? Yeah. That, that's, he's a God that wants us to enjoy stuff. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. who, who, what's your favorite thing? And you just kind of have them go around and go, okay, you say, thanks God for this being yummy. Thanks God. And you just, at two and a half, they know that there's things they like, that there's things that they get excited about. Sometimes they get scared. And so we would always talk to our kids like, you you can absolutely come to us at night if you have a nightmare or you're scared. But you can also begin by just ha- asking God to help you get through this. And so giving them real practical, they eat all the time and they like yummy things. And God could have made everything taste like wood or something, but it's yummy. So thank you, God. That tells us a little bit about him, that he wants us to have joy and experience uh, the pleasure of food. And so thank you for that. 
Have you guys ever had kids, or I know, Parker, you've probably seen it with my kids, but have you ever seen kids really little walking around acting like they're talking on the phone mm-hmm. and they're using a toy? Beca- because they're imitating adults. Yep. They're seeing that. So imagine, imagine an imitation of a prayer. I'm doing what daddy does. He closes his eyes mm-hmm. and he puts his hands together and he, he, he talks to God. I, I love seeing their little personalities come out too. Cause each one of my kids will pray differently. Like Boston's very like to the point, like, dear God, thank you for this food. Uh, amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Stella is like 30 minute sermon on her friends at school <laughs> and her teacher and all of this different stuff. And then she'll get to the food so we can eat. But, um, but yeah, you're right. They're, they're watching us to see how we do it, but it's also cool to kind of see how each one of them approach it. You know, their personalities start to kind of come out too. Have you ever heard them like sign off on a prayer like you do? And you're like, Oh, I guess that's how <laughs> yeah. I do it. Like they're saying things they don't know. Like, right. Precious heavenly father. You're like, wait, you never talk like that. <laughs> I'm going to switch gears here and go to career life advice. It says, Hey Granger, my name is Josh. I live just north of you in Colleen, Texas. I've been in the military for over 11 years now. I'm not getting the job satisfaction anymore. I have an entrepreneur mindset, and my wife and I want to pursue that path. We have a small microbrewery, and we want to run, and that we run, and we want to pursue opening our own business. Giving up not only job security, but the benefits that come with the military is such a hard choice. Retiring is an option, but I would much rather be home with my kids and family than what I currently do. What advice do you have for me? Josh, thank you for your service. I'm assuming you're at Fort Hood. Um, and we, we, we want you to know that we, we, we could sit around microphones and talk about religion and life and freedom uh, and post it to the world because of the, the freedoms protected by men like you, Josh. So you don't have to hear that from me, but I want to tell you that. Um, this is a common, this is, this is a common theme right now of a dissatisfaction in a career that there's something better. It's the old, the grass is greener, right? Burns, have you and I looked at stuff like that? Oh yeah. On the questions like this before, I think. I think Um, that this can go a couple different ways though. Um, he's been in the military for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that God can move us to different things mm-hmm. in different seasons, right? So yep. um, if the, if this falls into one of the categories, the six categories that we're talking about, I think this may be go to the Word of God. Like, I feel like a lot of those will fall into this, but I think if you are spending time in the Word, Keep that in mind, is, Josh didn't mention that in here. Okay, well, just Josh, saying. I'm just advising. This is yeah. a good place to start. Um, what's next for you is going to, I feel like it's going to be revealed as you are just like saturating yourself uh, in, in soaking in God's word and asking him and giving your life to him. Jesus, I want you to be known through my life, whether I'm doing this or that, it doesn't matter. Where do you want me to go? And let's go. Um, I, I think that that could be one path that this question could fall into. Um, the other one could be the whole contentment thing. And I think you guys may have hit on this on the last podcast um, where we've, or maybe it was you and I just I about um, 
you know, somebody's not satisfied, they're not content in the job that they have. Um, and it was, there's kind of this question of like, when did the generations kind of move towards this of like, yeah. And I think it was, was you it was and me I. me and you, because we were talking about, do, do your, did your grandparents change jobs? Yeah, they worked. My Probably dad was a, not, you know, cop for 30 years. And, um, and dude, since that podcast, I remember just thinking about this and thinking about this. And I feel like something that just kept coming up that is m- much more prevalent now is options. Right. And man, it is options in people that you're available to date because you now have like the access to the internet. It's things you can buy because you can find the same thing and get it. The, the options of jobs, stuff, everything is endless. Mm. And it's creating so much discontentment and so much unsatisfaction with what we have because we're exposed to like all of this stuff. And we we believe this lie that, oh man, if if I had that, I would be happy. If I had that, I would be happy. And all it's doing is keeping us from fully committing and being grateful for what we have in the moment. Totally. Social media, uh, I know there's a lot of good things about it. I think this is one of the absolute downfalls of social media is it is exposing people to things that are not real and they're not in their lives. And people are giving their time and energy thinking, man, I wish I could go to that place. I wish I could be with that. Man, I wish my husband looked like that. I wish my wife looked like that. And it's really just all of these options were just bombarded with it. It's it's creating this lack of contentment. You're absolutely right. And that's probably where the microbrewery entrepreneur plan comes from, too, is he's seen an Instagram account yeah. that's like, man, those guys are crushing it. They're, they got they started up this microbrewery and now they've got their own brand. They're in H E B now. And man, I could do that. Yeah. And and Josh, part of that is the American dream. And not, so I don't want to diminish the fact that that our heritage as Americans, it came from people going, there's got to be something better out there. There's mm-hmm. got to be something better. And I, and whatever it takes for me to, to provide for my family, I'll do it. So I don't want to take that away. Um, but I, just from a, from a practical standpoint here, if you want to do this microbrewery thing, I would stay up later at night or get up earlier in the morning and try to start that while you're still working in the military. Um, then maybe that's impossible. Maybe your wife could start, but don't just quit and start cold. That's tough. You're going to find yourself in a, in a gap that you need another job quickly. So see if you can kick something going, you know, so you yeah. can get a label and, and get this out to some friends and see if it's something you really want to do. I think the other lie that's out there is that, you can be famous. You can run a brewery. You can do this. You can mm-hmm. be a CEO. And there's a book to tell you how to do every, all of that. <laughs> and it's, I think that a lot of people are like, I am entitled to this. They said that I can do this. So why is it not happening for me? And you know the generation we were talking about? Man, they started in the mailroom and they worked there for six years. And then they yeah. moved up a little bit and they just, there's no diligence. There's no you know, um, just sticking adherence, like sticking with something and going through it and feeling like a calling. Like, uh, I, I think that, and I'll get off my soapbox now, The Jesus is going to provide for you far more than the American dream. Mm. Hands down. 
That's like a t-shirt. <laughs> Wouldn't sell very much, though. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, the cameras are ready to reset, so I don't. I just don't want to quit yet. So we're we're about done. For anyone that's listening, we're, we're just about done. But I'm going to reset the cameras real quick and um, finish this. What you got, Chad? Well, I I kept thinking as you guys were talking about this that there is a what Bernie says about this instant gratification and this sense of entitlement is pretty pervasive. And we're not necessarily accusing the you know the writer of this question of that, but there is that it's very pervasive in our culture. And I think we all have to guard against that. And in First John, uh, one of the letters in the New Testament, he talks about uh, don't love the world or the things of the world. And the things of the world are uh, lust of the flesh, right? Our appetites, the things that, you know, this instant gratification, I want this and I've just got this urge and I need to fulfill that urge. Uh, the, the lust of the eyes, right? I see things that I want and I need to have them, right? I'm not content with here, but I look out there and I go, oh, I want that. And then uh, he says this phrase, the boastful pride of life, right? This idea of status. Like if I have status, if I have stuff, and if I can satiate these appetites, then then I'll be good. And what we find is the more that we get of all of that stuff, we find ourselves increasingly more hungry because they don't satisfy. And so he says, rather, to abide in God, that is where ultimate satisfaction will come, is when we abide or live in and dwell with Him. So, so good Josh, stuff. your question really to yourself needs to be, am I truly not happy with my job, or is it something deeper? Is it myself? Is it, am I not finding something in me that's missing? Or is it just, hey, I'm actually just burnt out, and I think I could actually run a microbrewery? And can you do them simultaneous? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. At least get it started so that it's not a cold turkey, you know, quit the job and start something new. Um, Maybe you could drop off a case at Yee Farms. That would be great. <laughs> Just down the road, right? I, J- Josh and everyone else that emailed, I hope that you never felt like I was or any of us were yelling at you. The reason I get passionate is because I feel myself in your question. Yeah, for sure. I'm not any better than you. I don't, I don't know any more than you. I just, I feel, because I'm a human, so with all these like ghostings of friends and, you know, I can't tell Amber I'm ready to quit the marriage, but, <laughs> but I, I feel that human sentiment in that. I feel myself deep down inside going, yeah, I agree. What's the answer? And so I get passionate because we all know that you could answer things with trust or communication or run to Jesus as fast as you can. And uh, you could answer almost all of these. Um, and so I, lo- I love answering them and I get passionate, not because I, I feel better, but I feel you. I feel me in this question. So that, that career life advice question is um, it's common. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people, I read it on this episode because I know a lot of people ask me something like this. And I, I think it, I think we'd all four of us would be lying if we said we don't think this sometimes. We don't think, am I really going to do this forever? And we all have really cool jobs. <laughs> so that says something. 
uh, Donald Trump said that. I wonder what's, <laughs> you know? what could be next. Donald Trump said that before he was president. Then he probably said it sitting in the Oval Office. I bet, he, I bet you thought, how long am I going to do this? <laughs> like, right? Like, it never Everybody, ends. Yeah. It never ends. Yeah. You're, you're, everyone's everyone's going to have that because they're human. And part of it can become very destructive, and part of it could create the United States of America to what it became. You know, yeah. that, that mentality. I, I think another category that these things could kind of fall into and be answered by maybe is community. And so mm. this couple, I would say your community of friends, if you don't have a community of friends, find them, push into them, serve them, give yourself to it and just talk to, Hey Parker, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And he may be like, man, I've always seen the way that you handled this and this and I actually know somebody I can like plug you in and um, you, I think that you would be really good at this and get affirmation from them and support. And I think it's, so good. I think it's very, and you know, I don't know if this is right, but I feel like it's very rare where you wake up one day and God says, do this. And it's like, you have to decide in a moment. I feel like he just starts to kind of like nudge at you a little bit. And, and then you go to his word and you're like, is this what I'm, what I feel? I'm feeling this. And then you talk to your community and you talk to your wife or, you know, whoever, and talk to your friends. And I, I think you could get there that way. I think that's community is definitely so a good. component. And what you mean, Burns, is you, I would go to, I would go to the general and talk to him about this. <laughs> I'll talk to, I would talk to the retired guy. You don't want to talk to the, the guy that's, that's active because you're going to find out you're not happy with your job, but right. I'd go to the retired general that works at the cigar shop in Salado, Texas or whatever, and just say, sir, can I, can I run something by you? And he's probably going to go, I know exactly how you feel. And then I would go to the microbrewery guy, the, the guy, the guy at the brewery and go, the guy that's successful and go, can I talk to you about something? And he might look you in the eye and go, don't get into this business. Yeah, it's not what it looks like. It's terrible. Yeah. And we're fighting to pay the rent every day. You don't know. So that, that community, that that's the wise counsel that it's also it's just such a great answer to any question. So um, guys, episode 100, thank you for, uh, thanks for being on it. Thanks for everyone for watching a little extra. Well, dude, thank you. Can we just say yeah. that? Like one, <laughs> thank you for having, you know, us on here, but two, thank you that you continue to pursue this calling unapologetically and put out the kind of content that you do. And we, I think are all privileged to get to walk with you in this. Man, it's fun stuff. So, and I can say, you asked me one time, like, you know, why do you come from so far or whatever? Um, I was thinking about Yi Nation. Anybody out there listening to this, if you called them and said, can you come to the podcast? You have to drive an hour and a half to get here. They would be like, yes. So I think all <laughs> of us are like, man, of course, of course we're going to come because anyone out there would probably do the same thing just to sit and yeah. chop it up with you, man. Well, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, congrats. 100. Yeah, 100. That's good. All I right. once heard a guy say that he wouldn't listen to a podcast unless there's been at least 100 episodes because he said that's how long it takes Who to was be that? able to facilitate a conversation and host it well. I don't remember, but... I remember that too. People can officially start listening now. I guess it's an <laughs> It's actually a legit podcast. We have 100 yeah. episodes. It's legit. Stamp okay. it. I understand. 
All right. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. One-on-one. Yee-yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.